Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent Kyle Serafin. Yes, 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 indeed. Here I am. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show. Today is Wednesday. It's October the 4th. That's right. Man, uh, you know what adrenal fatigue is? You ever heard of this term? Ryan, you know what adrenal fatigue is? You ever seen that? No, sir. Adrenal fatigue is when your body is overly producing cortisol and the various stress hormones because you have been challenged and you have been pushed too far in the, the sympathetic nervous response. It's when your body is putting out adrenaline, it's putting out this cortisol, which is a stress hormone, and you just can't do it anymore, and it just starts teetering off where you just get less and less of a reaction, and you just feel exhausted, but it's because your body is overdoing it. We are in a media cycle of adrenal fatigue right now for me. Every time I look at the news, I just go, oh my God, are we, are we doing this more? Are we having more historic, I'm doing the air quotes for you if you're listening on the on the audio podcast, are we doing more historic like news events? We raided a sitting uh, a former president, historic moment. Oh, they've indicted uh, a guy, historic moment. Then they did it again, and then they did it again, and they did it again. And it's like, oh, how many more historic moments can we do in 2023? The president is in diapers, historic moment. And so what do we got? We've got going on uh, that uh, Matt Gates went out there. You guys saw the uh, the thumbnail if you're watching on the Rumble channel. He went out and had them vacate the speaker's chair. Historic moment again. It's just it's all over every single time. We just can't get away from this historic moment. 2023 is just given 2020 a hold my beer moment. I feel like it's so crazy. Uh, we've got a, a lot of stuff we're going to talk about in today's show. We're going to talk about sort of the way that this was telegraphed. This was a telegraph punch. This was no, it shouldn't have been any news to anybody that Matt Gates was going to do this. Of course, the, uh, the the wild news that came out of yesterday afternoon, the historic news, was the fact that we had the Speaker of the House voted off his perch of power, and Kevin McCarthy is no longer the Speaker of the House. It is an empty chair right now, and uh, the Kyle Serafin show position is no one for Speaker. Hashtag no one for speaker. I'll tell you why I think that should be the, the case for a little while, at least. I think we should embrace the chaos. I know that uh, there, some of you have seen these things on on uh, social media. There's like an Elmo. It's not even a good Elmo. It's like a bad AI Elmo. And he's standing. and He's got fire and flames going up behind him. Just let it burn kind of thing. Man, how about that? How about we do just a little bit of let's see what happens. Let's do some disruptions because the status quo sucks. It is not good. Americans are unhappy. The economy is garbage. The people that are in political leadership seem to suck. So my hashtag, if you guys want to set it out right now as we start the show off, first of all, give us a like on uh, Rumble before you leave and then go ahead and open up another window and give me a hashtag, no one, the number four speaker, no one for speaker, make a trend, y'all. Let's put this out there into the world because I would like to see just a little bit of time where we don't have anybody doing anything. They're not spending any of our money. They're not going and funding a foreign war. That'd be all right. I could just handle a little bit of downtime. We're going to talk about a bunch of other stuff, too. We're going to talk about violence in the streets um, and some wild stuff coming out of the January 6th ongoing independent journalist investigations, since nobody seems to be doing it in the actual. No one's actually doing credible investigations from the federal side or from the local law enforcement. So. We have to have journalists step in. That's actually what journalists are supposed to do. Uh, before we get started and rolling into the outrage and the insanity, let's talk about my friends uh, over at... Yeah, I got to turn that light off again. I don't know why that does that. We're going to uh, talk about my friends over at Catholic Vote. Here they are. 
Catholic Vote, it's The Loop. You guys know that I read The Loop every morning. Mine comes in before I even wake up. It comes in at 4.56 a.m. You can see what it looks like. I don't need to tell you much more than that. Here it is. So what is what is in The Loop today? Talking about uh, Pope Francis, the communist guy in charge of the Catholic Church. He is now pushing for aggressive, global-enforced climate legislation. Really? This guy cannot be more of a disappointment. I know Catholics everywhere are just really sad about this pope. He's awful. Uh, talking about the human change on the climate crisis. Just, And he's also been softening the ban on blessing gay marriages and unions. Just bizarre. We're just living in upside-down times, and the leadership is captured. Kevin McCarthy ousted from speakership. Obviously, they couldn't go without talking about that. Again, Francis talking about the same-sex marriage blessings. Um an administrator trying to add misgendering. Sorry, the the Biden administration is trying to add misgendering to the sexual harassment laws. There's actually, uh, I, I rarely tell you to do some actions, but there's an action item that I think we should do coming directly out of today's loop. Um, and we'll, we'll try to get it at the end of the show here. But if you haven't, go to the loop and, and check out this uh, this article talking. It's, it's entitled Biden Admin Equates Misgendering with Harassment. There's a link in there to the EEOC, the Equal Opportunity Employment Commission. You can actually comment on this in public. This is a public rules comment change. And if you make a comment on it and there's a sufficient number of people that are against this sort of thing, we do not need to be adding misgendering into the uh, the EEOC's way of the enforcing it. Because what that means is, is that your private business is going to be held accountable to whatever kind of nonsense they come up with. Now, we've already seen, and I saw uh, Garrett O'Boyle sitting in our chat right now, so that's awesome. But uh, what we've already seen is that the this administration has no interest in enforcing the Title VII protections that we should have, which is like your freedom of religion, your freedom of speech, your ability to actually be the uh, religious uh, liberties that cannot be uh, protected in the way that they should. That was my experience. I went out there and wrote a credible, credible um what do you call it? A profession of faith in order to not get the COVID shots and, and the FBI and the rest of the federal government ignored it. But if they're going to add misgendering, you can imagine that they're going to come down big and hard on that. So that's gross. So go out there and make that comment and the uh, Equal Opportunity Employment Commission while you still can. All right, let's get going. I saw Eric Jason already saying smash the like button. Do not comply. Thanks, buddy. We appreciate you being out there in the chat and uh, and managing it as a moderator. Let's do this. Let's do topic number one. McCarthy, he's out. Let's bring up uh, topic one. There it is. CNN is reporting on it. He will not run again. It's not just that he's out. Okay, folks. It's not just that he no longer is sitting in the speaker chair. It's that he's also said that he recognizes defeat and he's not going to try to put another bid in for speaker. So we're going to be left with a couple of other people. Um, what I want to do is play for you a couple of videos. These are the pros and the cons. You want to hear pros or cons first? What, what, what do you want to hear, Ryan? I'm going to give you the choice. Let's do pros. Okay. Uh, pros is how to get... This is pros for... For McCarthy, what the arguments why he should stick around? Because that'll get me riled up. Let's do that. Oh, no, I want to go pros. Why not? Okay, why not? <laughs> you're, you're in the uh, burn it down category. Okay, so we're going to do why you should vacate the chair. And that's going to be video number one. This was Matt Gates yesterday getting up in front of it. You're going to listen for the booze, Pope. I want you to tune your ears for the booze. Matt Gates making his plea and his statement on why they should vote, which he was successful in, why they should vote to get rid of this guy, Kevin McCarthy. Democrat, Republican, Uniparty, California, since 1987, this guy's been in politics, as we talked about yesterday. All right, video one, let's go ahead and roll that sucker. The gentleman from Florida. My colleague says we've passed the strongest border 
bills in history. Well, guess what? Look at the border right now. We didn't use sufficient leverage in the debt limit or in any other thing to actually get results on the border. The border is a disaster, really something I don't think you're going to be campaigning on that you fixed the border. Second, you said you streamlined regulations. What the gentleman from Louisiana doesn't tell you is that all of the regulatory reform he was just bragging about is waivable by the stroke of a pen of someone in the Biden White House. Do you really think you got anything for that? It's a total joke. And then finally, the welfare to work that the gentleman from Louisiana said we got. The welfare programs that they said that they streamlined with their welfare to work stuff, they're actually gonna grow. Because while they did work requirements, they blew out those programs with expanded eligibility. I'm real glad you guys didn't put work requirements on Medicaid. It probably would have resulted in Medicaid expansion. And when it comes to how those raise money, I take no lecture on asking patriotic Americans to weigh in and contribute to this fight from those who would grovel and bend knee for the lobbyists and special interests who own our leadership, who have, oh, boo all you want, who have hollowed out this town and have borrowed against the future of our future generations. I'll be happy to fund my political operation through the work of hardworking Americans, 10 and 20 and $30 at a time, and you all keep showing up at the lobbyist fundraisers and see how that goes for you i reserve there it is he says boo all you want you people have hollowed out this town those are some strong words and i really appreciate that he's coming there with the fire this was the argument against mccarthy okay uh saying the border was weak and pathetic which it is uh the thing that they they keep acting like just because you passed a bill in the house doesn't mean you were able to leverage your power as speaker this is the number three person in line for the presidency by the way do people have that concept you're talking about one of the most powerful people in this country. And McCarthy was pretty much famous for snatching uh, what? He was snatching victory or uh, he was snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. He was he was pushing forward weak policies when they had options. They, they failed on the debt ceiling. They failed on a whole bunch of other topics. And then just because you passed it and you had no support anywhere else. He wasn't looking at the House above them, the, uh, the Senate, and making sure that it was actually going to get signed off on. Or there was going to be overwhelming support for anything they did. Guy was weak. Here's another thing that kind of made me sick. He's got a uh, he's got a comms director whose name is Caleb something or other. I have to look him up again. But uh, his comms director, who was both he was the comms director for Paul Ryan and for John Boehner, so he's a speaker of the House comms director for Republicans. Okay, and he tweeted out a picture of this very feminine pose of Kevin McCarthy after that October third, the man in the arena. Have you ever heard the speech, the man in the arena, Ryan, you know what I'm talking about? I've heard it, but refresh my memory. The man in the arena is one of these, like, it's, it's one of these like archetypal American statements. It comes from a uh, speech that Teddy Roosevelt gave in Paris. I actually pulled it up here on my phone. So I'm going to look down for a second here. It was called the citizenship in a Republic. We do live in a Republic. You should be a citizen. And so he gave this entire uh, long speech, but the short version that many people have heard, the short sort of quotation that comes out of it, I'd like to actually read it because I just want you to think, is this the Kevin McCarthy that you guys have seen sitting in the House of Representatives? The quote goes like this, quote, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who actually is in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcomings. But who does actually great, who, who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, 
the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at best, this is the real key that people focus in on, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. I mean, is that Kevin McCarthy? Is that the guy that's out there doing this? I mean, nothing about that. Do you think that Kevin McCarthy has ever had dust and sweat and blood on his face? You know, I grew up in a house where we did a lot of manual labor. I spent a lot of time. I've got calluses on my fingers from doing shovel work. I don't mind doing a shovel work. I don't mind digging a hole. I don't mind swinging a hammer. I don't mind sweating. I actually feel probably the best. It, it may be uh, a work that's looked down upon by the current generation of millennials that sit inside and want to type on a keyboard. But I'll tell you what, if you gave me the choice between typing on a keyboard all day long and swinging a hammer or uh, digging a hole, I'd be digging holes 100%. So much better. I feel better. It's good for my soul. I don't think Kevin McCarthy's done that in a very, very long time. His hands look soft and manicured, and they look lotioned, and they look gentle. And so does his body position. Everything about that guy looks weak and frail. So I don't know. You want to call that guy the man in the arena. I'll tell you something else. The first interview that I did publicly with uh, Dan Bongino, as I was leaving Miami, I was sitting at an airport waiting to board a plane on whatever my connection flight was. I can't even remember where that was. It's been such a wild year. Uh, that was only a year ago. And I'm sitting in the airport and I text a guy named Mike Glover, who's a former Green Beret. And I said, I said, uh, Mike, you got any advice? Because I'm about to go loud and uh, people are about to know who I am. And he said, uh, you know, Man in the arena. Who cares what the people on the bleachers say? It just, who cares what the people on the bleachers say? It don't matter. Kevin McCarthy was kind of on the bleachers uh, for a lot of this stuff. And we're going to find out what the, uh, the Jim Jordan pitch for this man was. Kind of nauseating. I want you to take a deep breath because you're going to hear a lot of the suspendables, hard work, and uh, the things that we put our ass on the line for. I hate to say it that way, but that is correct. Um, being a suspendable means that you're willing to do the right thing. It doesn't really matter what happens. And apparently Kevin McCarthy gets credit for what people like Garrett O'Boyle, people like me, people like Steve Friend, some of the others that you don't know the names of that have gone out there and have suffered consequences but don't want to be public figures. There's apparently that's all to be laid at the feet of Kevin McCarthy. Obviously, it didn't. Uh, this this argument was not persuasive, but I'd love you to play video number two. Let's hear why Kevin McCarthy is Jim Jordan's man. This might change your opinion, folks. Gentleman from Ohio is recognized for three minutes. I thank the gentleman for yielding. On January 3rd, we said the 118th Congress is about three things. Pass the bills that need passed, do the oversight work that needs to be done, and stop the inevitable omnibus that comes from the United States Senate right before the holidays. Kevin McCarthy has been rock solid on all three. We have passed the bills we told the American people we would pass. 87,000 IRS agents, that bill, that bill passed. Parents' Bill of Rights, that bill passed. Energy legislation passed. Border security, immigration enforcement legislation, the strongest bill ever to pass the Congress, passed earlier this year. And not signed into law. We have done what we told them we were going to do. We can't help but the Senate won't take up those good common sense bills. They'll have to answer to the American people come election day. Oversight. We have done the oversight that we're supposed to do. Because of our oversight, we know that parents were targeted by the Department of Justice. Because of our oversight, we know that 51 former intel officials misled the country weeks before the most important election we have. And because of our oversight, the Disinformation Governance Board at the Department of Homeland Security is gone. 
Because of our oversight, the memo attacking pro-life Catholics has been rescinded. Because of our oversight, unannounced visits to Americans' home by the Internal Revenue Service has stopped. That happened under Speaker McCarthy. And on the third one, on this side of it, we know there's a big old ugly bill coming at the end of the year, all kinds of spending, all kinds of garbage in it. We're still in that fight. Frankly, to Matt's point, we don't know how that one's going to shake out. But we do know this. We do know this. On Saturday, we didn't take the Senate's bill. They tried to send over and shove it down our throats on Saturday. We didn't take that bill. And it was a tough position he was in. There were five options on the table last week. Option one was to send a long-term CR over there. That would have leveraged the 1% cut, something a bunch of us voted for. Both parties couldn't get the votes for that one. Second option was to focus on the one issue the country now is completely focused on, the border issue. We couldn't get the votes for that one either. But when the Senate tried to send us that bill, he said no to it. I think the Speaker has kept his word. I know my colleagues and friends are saying different. I think he has kept his word on those three things that we talked about on January 3rd, frankly, that entire week. He has kept his word. I think we should keep him as speaker. I yield back. There you go. So he's kept his word. Let's keep him as speaker. There's Jim Jordan. You guys think he's the hero of the Republic. He's out there running the weaponization committee and the judiciary. Uh, he said my name. He's had Steve Friend's name in his mouth. He's had Garrett O'Boyle's name in his mouth. I'm going to let Steve tell the story of what he thinks on uh, Friendly Friday coming up in two days. I won't, I won't belabor this too much more, but if that doesn't change your opinion a little bit, maybe you listen in on Friday and we might share something with you that, uh, that does. Because coming up in just a minute, we're going to play a little more of uh, Matt Gates. He telegraphed this punch a long time ago, and he called these things out. I think that the boo about him talking about corporate lobbyists getting out there and throwing money in front of all these people. We have a really, really, really good video from Tim Cast coming back about nine months ago. He first went on Tim Cast and did an outstanding job. And I want to give some credit to the wood chipper. This is my friend Aaron over on Twitter. It's T H A wood chipper. You can check him out. It's in my retweets as well. He uh, he did this great thread of about like ten little videos. They're all little short snippets. They're fifty and sixty seconds, so you can take the entire Timcast uh, podcast, which you may not have time to listen to the whole thing, and it goes back away. So most people are just trying to keep up with what's going on currently. But he broke it up into a bunch of little bite-sized pieces. We're gonna play a couple of them for you, and I think they're really telling. It also gives you kind of a, a perspective on the way that Matt Gates's mind works. And for me, it's it's utterly it's utterly honest when you start flaying the sort of hypocrisy and, the, and the, the basic corruption that exists in D.C. We all have a sense of what it looks like. You guys all have a sense of how the deep state operates. But when people like me and Steve come forward and talk to about it, like what we've seen, the mechanics of it, I think it is very telling to be able to peel back the skin and see sort of like the Terminator, you know, machine arm actually working. Matt Gates does this, especially for brand new congressmen. I think it's worth knowing because he was a freshman very recently and he remembers it. Uh, before we do that, let's go ahead and say thanks over here to my friends over at Patriot Cooler. Here they are right there. Patriot Cooler. Check them out. PatriotCooler.com. PatriotCooler.com. Use promo code Kyle, K-Y-L-E. It'll give you 10% off. They give a little credit towards us, which is great. They also support disabled veterans. That is also great. We're appreciative of them as a company and as a sponsor, and they're good people. So go ahead and look it out. If you guys are in the market for any of these things, we're about to get into like camping season again. We're about to move forward with some of the outdoor activities you might want to do. I know a lot of sporting events are out there, so check out their soft packs if you're into that, the day packs, the like the very soft coolers. And if you're looking for something to transport, whether it be in the back of a minivan like I do, all the groceries, we always pick them up and throw them in a uh, a nice hard-sided cooler because I don't like to have my frozen strawberries thaw out and become a block of strawberries. That's no good for me. Check out patriotcoolers.com. Promo code Kyle, K-Y-L-E. 
You guys know about them and we appreciate them. Is there one sitting on your desk right now, Ryan? Mine is sitting downstairs. It's uh, it's getting loaded up. There it is. Wood grain. Looks good. It's an interesting move. Appreciate that. Okay. So let's move a little bit forward. This So this guy goes by the name Trash Discourse on uh, on uh, Twitter. He, he holds a lot of these like really sort of deep dive spaces. I, I appreciate his commentary on it. Uh, his name is Aaron. He's had some um, some pitfalls come after him. People have actually attacked him for some of his reporting that he does. He actually does a great job. My buddy Dan Bongino has shared some of his stuff. So I want to get into here how corruption actually works, what it looks like, the mechanism. This is a really, really good little clip from Matt Gates. We're playing a lot of Matt Gates, but uh, when you have historical moments, we might as well lean into what's going on there. So let's play clip number three. This is how the corruption works in Washington, starting on day one. I think this is worth your time. Um, especially in Washington, D.C. But but how deep does the rabbit hole goal be, go? Because there's a lot of people talking about, you know, the deep state, the intelligence agencies having a lot of control, using a lot of extortion, special interest, interest groups pulling the strings here. What's your understanding of how things really work in Washington, D.C. compared to what the average American kind of sees? Well, I think that, like the most corrupt, like, foray into this is like freshman orientation because like you show up here and i mean you know imagine showing up from northwest arkansas from like you know southern mississippi and you see the architecture of dc they take you out to like the finest steakhouse the best wine you've ever had and co-located at your table are the lobbyists for the major special interests for the committees that you're interested that you want to serve on so like i get here and they're like oh gates you want to be on the armed services committee have you met these defense contractors? These are the key lobbyists that round up the defense money. And they put you with them from the very beginning. And you sort of get the joke that if you give your vote card to the leadership and your calendar to the lobby corps, you just kind of get enveloped into a system that's there to nurture you and protect you and keep you out of harm's way. And all it costs you is your own belief set. And I don't think that's compromise so much as selling out. Now, you know, that, so that is like step one. And that catches a, a whole lot of the people who get here. And then beyond that, if you kind of resist that system, then they do try to extort you, uh, engage in anything they can do to compromise you, cancel you, find some joke that you liked on Instagram years ago that like doesn't fit with the mores of this time, find some email that you were on like the forward chain of that's like some basis to say that you're a white supremacist or you're, you know, some sort of uh, unacceptable human that can't be in polite company. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, then if that doesn't work, it's abject destruction through the political process where there are many, many dollars lined up solely for the extermination of those who push back against against the narrative. Yeah, this is there it is right there. So he just laid it out for you. This is called the carrot and the stick method, right, folks? You, you're familiar with this sort of idea in your life. We saw this in the Twitter files. The, the, the FBI and the intelligence agencies actually did this to big tech. And it works in the same way. Look, you got to capture the media. That's your, and you got to capture big tech. You've got to capture the information streams that are coming out, and you've got to capture the politicians. These are the sort of the four prongs that come towards you. If you need to be able to run this country in a way that uh, we talk about a uniparty, if you want one perspective coming down the line at you, this is how you would do it. And the politicians are obviously one of the oldest versions of this. Um, I told you I'm reading this book, Term Limits. This goes back 50 plus years. I mean, this is not new stuff. Nobody nobody is surprised by it. But isn't it interesting that he lays out what the carrot is? This is the reward piece. The reward piece is as follows. Welcome to Congress. Congratulations on being part of our very cool club. We'd like to buy you a really nice steak, and we'd like to give you uh, the best glass of wine you've ever had. And by the way, have you met my good friends? They've shown this in multiple um, 
in multiple movies where, where they kind of allude that this is the case. And you kind of watch it and you go like, is that Hollywood or is that real? There's Matt Gates telling you that's the real story. The story looks like this. Welcome to Congress. Sit down and have these nice things. Would you like to have nice things? Would you like to live nicely? Wouldn't it be great if somebody gave you a really inexpensive lease? Oh, $100 to lease this $4,000 a month apartment? Well, it turns out our friend owns it, and they would love to give you a great deal on it. Oh, they love to sell you this house. We saw Jamal Bowman is actually accused of buying multiple properties for something like 50 or 60% less than market value in New York City. Supposedly, he has multiple properties there. And they were done. Mm, savvy real estate investment is what they always say. Oh, savvy real estate investment. Somebody was willing to sell you a $2 million property for $400,000. Amazing. What a great investor you are. Okay, that's the carrot version of it. Look at this lobbyist who would really love it if you voted his way. And what did he say the cost is? It's your integrity. The cost is your integrity, right? Uh, my buddy Steve Friend likes to say integrity is only a problem if you have it. It turns out how many people are actually going to that, going to the mat on their integrity? I don't think a ton. Most people are actually pretty weak. We've seen this. We saw it happen in this country in the last three years. We saw people given an opportunity to say, are you all in? Are you going to push all your chips into the middle of the table and ride this hand? And this hand doesn't look like a winner, by the way. You're going in on a light hand because you're going to get a, a much bigger pot. The government pot is enormous. The government stack is strong. I'm using some poker analogies here because I can see it in my head. You're sitting against the fattest, biggest cat there is with the largest stack of all the chips. And all you've got is your integrity and whatever money you've got in your pocket. Are you willing to go all in against the government? Most people say no. A lot of people ask, where are the other whistleblowers? I'll tell you where they are. They're collecting that pe that paycheck every two weeks. Um, once again, I, I'm, I'm seeing Garrett run through the chat here. I'm not able to read all the things that you guys are saying, but I can tell you this. Going for a year without a paycheck, having done it, it is not very fun. It's not a thing that makes you look forward to the next day. You just think like, I'm counting my pennies. I'm trying to keep my head above water. I want to make sure my children are fed. A lot of people took, took that and they said, this is too much. I don't want to do that. You win. You win, government. So they give in. And uh, I think a lot of people in Congress do exactly the same thing. Matt Gates is not, you don't hear him saying that they're, uh, they're evil. They're doing what humans do, which is generally speaking, cave to hard pressure and a very attractive carrot. So that's part one. But then he talks about the stick. And the stick is scary too. The stick is the second biggest piece. He said, do you hear him? He was talking about how he's going to, they will ruin you. And we all have seen this. We've all seen people get ruined over stuff. There's a couple of ways. And he didn't mention all of them, actually, because there's the intelligence community portion as well. Uh, guys like George Santos, who you don't have to like, you don't have to love. But he got attacked. People like Janesh D'Souza got attacked for these ridiculously low bar political charges. $10,000, $20,000. If you guys saw the uh, the episode that uh, Garrett O'Boyle and I did on Timcast, we did the culture war uh, maybe two weeks ago. And he was talking about how he had a like a million dollar fraud perpetrated against him and his company. And the FBI said, that's too small. It doesn't move the needle. But $10,000 or $20,000 that is being used in a way that is potentially outside of federal law, still unadjudicated, that kind of stuff is enough to move the needle for the FBI to get involved. Who asked that FBI to get involved? What kind of political movement is happening there? What kind of pressure is going on on the agents on the top? And we know that FBI management, we don't call them, uh, we don't call them leadership. In, in, in the suspendables, we call them management. They're administrators. Uh, in fact, Steve just did a tweet yesterday about uh, the deputy director, Paula Bate. And uh, Paula Bate had six years of investigative experience. He had less investigative experience in the FBI being an FBI agent than Steve Friend. Um, same amount as me, you know, just a guy 
who just ran as fast as he could to get into management because he believed people needed to hear what he had to say. And we know that he had a girlfriend that was uh, on the payroll but wasn't doing any work. She was going to law school in another city. She was going to law school in Detroit, of all places, when she was supposed to be showing up for her job in Washington, D.C. I'm not even sure if I've ever talked about on this podcast. The deputy director of the FBI was banging a support employee, well-known, reported by multiple credible sources who worked with the female, and she put in for a, uh, a request to go and do like a sabbatical and go to law school. She was like a crappy paralegal who was ready to be fired. She was so inefficient at her job. And instead, she got to go to law school and get paid with your money. Your money. That's Paula Bate. That's the deputy director out there. That's the number two guy. That's the guy who really runs the FBI. When these people are compromised, when these people are captured, you know, that's it. They're running it all the way down the chain. The administrators are part of the problem. And there's no question in my mind that the stuff that Matt Gates just shared with you is 100% spot on. That's how the corruption works. So there's a couple of different videos we want to keep showing you. I want to show you video number... Let's see here. This is number four. This is the other kind of way it works. So check out this thread if you haven't. You should actually watch all 10 or 15 minutes of it. Spend some time today later on and watch it. But let's do a video number four. Let's hear Matt Gates a little further on this problem because this problem is not small. He believed that Washington was broken. The normal system of selecting leadership in both parties is based on the redistribution of lobbyists and special interest money. Like if you want to be the leader of your party, you basically have to raise and redistribute north of $100 million. And Kevin McCarthy was so good at that, he raised and distributed about half a billion dollars over the course of the last election cycle. And so it creates a covenant that's not really built on trust or merit or vision, but trading money for political support. And we wanted to send a shock to that D.C. cartel system and to say, no, guess what? There's going to have to be a different way you get there. And uh, the concessions we sought principally fell into like three buckets. So that's it. There's three buckets. We're going to actually play the three buckets for you. But did you hear what he just said about the fundraising? In order to get into the speakership, it basically costs you $100 million with the fundraising if you want to be credible. And Kevin McCarthy did that 5X. How do you raise $500 million and keep your integrity. Any of you think that can be done? Man, it's certainly an open question right now. I know Matt Gates doesn't think so. He told you this was coming nine months ago, that these are the rules. This is what we're going to do. We are going to push the envelope and we are going to try to maintain principle. And, um, and if you don't do it, we're going to vote you out. Now, I've seen people say eight people stood. Apparently, there were plenty more Republicans that were willing to make sure this got over the hump. Uh, but none of them wanted to burn political capital. That also tells me what weakness goes on in that that. Uh, that house in that in the entire process. It's it's nauseating. It's the reason why I have no interest in being in politics. You just look at it and you just go, what a bunch of mealy-mouthed, non-principled, trying to angle their shot. I just it grosses me out on every level. And I just like hearing somebody say what's true. And it's uh it's not necessarily appreciated. They're looking at trying to oust a Matt Gates, which is nauseating. Let's do the next video. He talked about those three pillars of of uh of how they do it. So let's go, let's play that video number five. It's just the one next up. Like I said, this whole thread is really great. It's all useful stuff. We wanted specific bills coming to the floor. We wanted commitments on when they would come to the floor. We wanted uh, adherence to specific spending levels with a budget resolution. And the organizing principle of our policy goals was really to make sure that we would never again get an omnibus bill like we had to vote on. There's just a total joke of a way of governing. Like, how can we sit here and honestly say that bills that are thousands of pages long, that spend $1.7 trillion, and that you get 
48 hours before having to cast a vote is really legislating. It's not. It devalues each individual member, and it's insulting to our constituents to suggest that we even know what the hell we're doing when that's the way we, we run the railroad. So we had policy. There it is. All right. And so, and that's why we're sending one of these. I actually sent a picture over to, uh, to Ginger Gates. I sent a picture over to her and let her know that uh, we really appreciate what her husband's been doing. The guys who are suspendables that testify in front of Congress, when they went and did their depositions, they had Matt Gates show up and they had Dan Bishop show up. That was it. Jim Jordan wasn't there. It was his committee. He didn't show up. Gates showed up and asked questions and dug into the issues. And if you watch those testimonies, if you watch any of the weaponization hearing testimonies, look at the one guy that shows up organized, prepared, and intelligently trying to dissect the information. He is trying to get the witness to actually do witnessing. That's not what happens for most of the people in Congress. Most of them are just auditioning for their Fox News soundbite. That's why we think it's theater. And that's why my position continues to be no one for speaker. No one, the number four speaker, hashtag no one for speaker. Put it out there, folks. That's the name of today's episode. I just, I, I, that's actually my policy position. If you think that this garbage shouldn't go on, maybe that's your position too. And here's the other fun thing. If we have no one for speaker and if nobody is holding that, what it means for you as an American person is that nobody in the house can bring forward a bill. Period. We are under a continuing resolution right now. The government is funded for the next 43 days. If that 43 days runs out without a new funding bill, it becomes a government shutdown. There is no one to fund it. And what I would argue to you is this. In 43 days, one, I'd probably win $100 from George Santos because uh, he and I had a bet the other day, but uh, which I don't think he can carry out on. But not only would I be $100 richer from George Santos, but mostly what you would find out is that the federal government does next to nothing in your everyday life. The federal government shuts down. It shut down in 2018 when I was working there. It shut down uh, in 2019. We've had sequesters. Like, you have lived through multiple government shutdowns. About the worst thing that happened was Barack Obama shut down the government and he tried to lock people out of the National Park Service. You know what's fun about a national park? You can get into it anyway. And if the rangers aren't funded, you're probably going to be able to do whatever the hell you want in the national park, which is what America is about anyway. You know, respect the land, go out, camp, hike, fish, do whatever it is that you do, whatever you're allowed to do out there, you go do those things. It's America's land. But that's about the worst thing that would happen if you didn't see it. All the things that are supposed to get paid, all the VA benefits are still going to get paid out. This was actually shared out on uh, Corey Mills, and I think Dan Bishop's uh, Twitter page said it. You know, you're still going to get your VA check. You're still going to get your Medicare and your Medicaid. Those things are actually funded through the year. But what you won't see is government waste and bloat and garbage. And that's the reason why we shared uh, this picture. Looks like this. You guys have seen it on me. This is the suspendables lapel pin badge. You can wear it on a hat. If you're a woman, you can wear it on a brooch. This is a uh, this is just a little symbol that you're willing to do what's right because you said you were going to do it. It's the same thing that we have on the shirts right now. We're showing the merch. So I'm going to go ahead and say, check out my friend Garrett O'Boyle's uh, store. This is his uh, Shopify store. Again, this is the-suspendables.com. I'm just showing you the lapel pin, right? And uh, right now you can use promo code Kyle on the site. Promo code Kyle is going to get you 10% off um, for the next couple of weeks. So if you want to go out there and let them know that uh, that you heard it here and you didn't just find it on, uh, I don't know, whoever else is sharing this stuff or you're finding it on Twitter randomly, uh, the-suspendables.com. The link is also in the show description and you can go and click through and you can check out the merch there. He just added Ranger panties, which are my favorite thing uh, if you don't wear Ranger panties. Upgrade your life, gentlemen. Two layers of mesh between you and the universe. There's nothing better than that when you're out for a run. Uh, feel the breeze. That should be the... the uh, 
<laughs> that should be the motto of those shorts. They're the best. Uh, what I will recommend is do not stand outside in very, very high winds. People will get a better idea of your anatomy than you're comfortable with. But the-dispendables.com, I think you can add the uh, lapel pin at the end for uh, for a small amount of money as well. These are, I think they're going for like 13 bucks, but I think it might be 10 bucks if you add them in there. Anyway, check it out. You can get your own. Once again, here's one. This is the one we're sending off to Matt Gates. We got another one that we're sending to Seb Gorka. People that are suspendables. We'll get one for uh, Dan Bongino and a couple of others. Uh, Cash Patel will get one. People that have really stepped stepped up with us that we appreciate, and uh, we appreciate you supporting the dispendables.com and my buddy over there. Look, um, historic moments, historic days. We could sit here and talk about this literally all day. It turns out, and yet um, there's more things that are going on in the world than that because the other side of the fake border bills that they pass is the fact that the Congress has basically done nothing. Once again, they've done nothing. So who cares if there's a speaker in the house? I, I I don't at all. No one for speaker. Hashtag no one for speaker. Set it out there. But what I do care about is the fact that many of you are facing down sort of historic, tragic situations in urban areas. And if you have the opportunity to not live in an urban area, I highly recommend not being in an urban area. There's something specific. We showed this video the other day of, of like these black guys walking on the trail and they were all um, smiling and they were happy and they were impersonating white people. And it was kind of like a funny moment of levity. And I, and I think it's great that that's out there. What they're recognizing is one of these fundamental human truths. The lower the population density in the area you're in, the lower the competition for basic resources if you think about it, the reason why that song, the Jason Aldean song, not in a small town, you know, try that in a small town. The reason why that rings true is because if you are in a small town, everybody kind of knows your business, but everybody has enough space to operate in their own sphere. And as, not, as long as you're not stepping on anybody else's problems and creating problems for others, then you're going to be able to do what you like. That's what, that's what freedom is all about. You know, America was designed in two ways. It was for rural areas and it was for urban areas. And they always created that tyranny of the majority was always held at bay by the protections over the minority. And if you live out in the rural areas, you're in the minority. I mean, that's just the way it works. Like urban areas dictate policy. It's the reason why California is captured. It's the reason why Connecticut is captured. It's the reason why uh, New York State is captured politically right? These urban areas vote. And the reason why is because the more people you get, the closer you get together, the more you need government to come in and be the, the, the boundaries because the boundaries are less and less large. There is less space between you and another person, right? And unfortunately, when our government fails and it's happening at the local level, this is why your local elections are so important and why I think the federal stuff is so much less important. When the local elections fail, when you get a Larry Krasner in Philadelphia, when you get uh, an Alvin Bragg in Manhattan, what do you get? You get violence in the streets, you get bad policy, you get the failure to enforce rule of law. Just because we are over here talking about a police state and the fact that we have a captured uh, judicial system on the federal level does not mean that we don't think, at this show at least, we do not think that your state and your local law enforcement are incredibly important. And they, they are proving it over and over again. They really, really are. Um, we're going to show you a, a couple of disturbing videos, well, at least one disturbing video. It's going to be, it's painful to watch. It actually had my wife really, really upset who grew up in New York City. So a little bit of information about the, uh, the Seraphin family. My wife grew up in Brooklyn. She was born in Manhattan. She is a native New Yorker. I have a father-in-law uh, who grew up and was born in Manhattan. He used to tell me that he could drive a car when he was younger and park without looking for parking, just easily park um, on the, the main avenues there. And he would walk into the Abercrombie and Fitch store in New York City and could go buy a shotgun for like a dove hunting trip if he wanted and did. And that was the thing you could do. 
New York is so much more full of people now. The population in my lifetime of this country has doubled and New York has gotten significantly worse because of it. A lot of people have gone to New York. They've increased by at least 50% in my lifetime. I know that for a fact. It's probably worse than that. So when you crowd all these people in, you get all kinds of um, boundaries crossed. And that's what the, the, the urban police authorities are supposed to stop. That's what they're supposed to limit. And people who are from urban areas, and some of you guys are not, you don't know how it is to walk around in a city. If you don't have what we call situational awareness, you learn it in the military, you learn it in law enforcement, the looking over your shoulder, looking left and right, assessing threats as we go. If you don't know how to do that, you're a liability to yourself. And there's a lot of people moving into these urban areas that have never lived, have never seen what a real threat is. They don't know what human evil manifests as. And they don't understand that these, uh, these, these emotionally disturbed people, these EDP types that are regularly on ambulances and regularly the subject of local law enforcement calls, um, they're, they're more and more getting hands off because it's so mean to go and talk to people that have mental illness. Those people are real threats to you. And we're going to see why in a second. But before we do that, what I actually want to show you is a, a piece out of the Philadelphia Inquirer because this is the older story of the two. If you'll bring up topic number eight, I think, um, yeah, let's do topic number eight. So this was a local journalist. He was shot fatally in his home. Okay, this is coming from the Philadelphia Inquirer. A guy named Josh Kruger. He was 39 years old. He's like a young, good-looking dude. Um, and he worked for the Office of Homeless Services in the city of Philadelphia. Okay, so you see this picture of him. That's that's him right there. There's some other pictures. If you've seen a picture of a guy sitting and stroking a cat sitting on his couch and it looks kind of mournful and you're wondering, why is that thumbnail everywhere? That was the other day. This guy was killed in his house. Uh, apparently gunshots, 1.30 a.m., People heard screams uh, and they found him collapsed on the sidewalks. He made it out of his house. He was a journalist. He was a advocate for the homeless. By all means, probably a really nice guy. He was a cat enthusiast, which you know Kyle Serafin is not a big fan of cats, not in any way, shape, or form. But uh, this guy doesn't deserve to die just because he advocates for bad policies. And I think they are bad policies. The shooter fled the scene. We don't know if this was a targeted hit yet. We haven't heard of any arrests. And honestly, you can get away with murder in this country right now. Even though we have unbelievable amounts of, of resources when it comes to surveillance cameras and all the technologies, if somebody randomly just shows up and puts you down, you know, it, awful things can happen. Now, this guy apparently was HIV positive. He was openly, oh, he was proudly queer. We keep hearing that word come up since we've done that show. It's bothering me. Proudly queer is the way the Philadelphia Inquirer describes him. Um, I guess a homosexual man who, who had uh, some struggles with with homelessness and addiction. He had been addicted to either methamphetamines or something else in the drug world. So possibly related to what's going on here, but really ultimately sad that you're not even safe in your own home in Philadelphia under this Soros-backed DA, Larry Krasner. This is the same you know, city where the FBI is, is knocking down the door of Mark Howe because he pushed over a guy who was a, a, um, an abortion activist, right? Just worth knowing. This is kind of this is kind of the Biden's America. This is what they are pushing. And we've talked about it before on this show, the sort of cloward piven strategy. The cloward piven strategy means you overwhelm the local resources. You push all of the, uh, the local resources to their maximum straining point, And then you offer that lifeline. Hey, just let the feds come in and do it. Federal control. What could be better? The idea of no one for speaker is a pushback against the cloward piven strategy of taking over your local areas. If there is no funded federal government, there is no federal takeover of these things. These problems need to be addressed at the local level. These are local crime problems. We're going to show um, 
what is it here? I guess topic number six. We'll do a quick talk about this. This is coming from the New York Post, and we're going to go ahead and do our quick analysis on it. But um, look, we're going to play you the video. It's really graphic, as it says right here. The, the audio is terrible. It's not good. Uh, we're going to walk through what the what the mistakes are. But more importantly, we're going to just talk about how sad it is because you guys think about this. If, if you actually, Ryan, do you have the ability to scroll down to the uh, the, the mid below the fold uh, photograph of this guy? We're talking yeah, about him. Give me a second. Yeah, no problem. So this guy's name was Ryan Carson. He was 32 years old. He was stabbed to death. He was killed with a knife wound to the heart on Sunday. And he was dressed in a suit and his girlfriend's wearing a uh, a nice dress. And they look like a classic Brooklyn hipster couple. He's got a mustache and these unironically circular, silly glasses. You know what I mean? Not the video yet. Yeah, let's roll it down a little bit. There we go. So look at there. This is your classic millennial couple. He's got weak hair that's easy to grab in a fight. I don't know. I just look at people and I think like, is this guy a threat? That guy is a not threat to me or anyone else. He's just not, you know? And he doesn't know how to deal with a real threat, which is the scariest part. Um, so the story goes like this. He was down in, he was in Brooklyn around 4 a.m. Overnight, they had been at a wedding before that. And uh, he sees this homeless guy or this mentally disturbed person who throws a, a scooter, you know, like a little uh, moped to the floor, to the ground. It clatters down. And uh, we'll go ahead and run the video. The video is uh, number six. Guys, if uh, the audio is bad, so it's not it's not your speakers. And uh, obviously, this is a pretty violent video, but uh, they don't show the stabbing. So I just it's worth watching. Like, look at look at the mistakes made here. But moreover, we're not going to blame the victim because you should be able to walk down the freaking street in an American city in the United States of America and not be stabbed in the heart when you're walking around with your girlfriend. Even if you are a weak man who doesn't have situation awareness, the death penalty is not appropriate for that level of of non-awareness. Let's go ahead and roll that video. And I hope you guys will forgive me, but I'm going to talk over this. For those who are listening on the audio channel, what we're seeing is the couple get up from a uh, bench, like where they would wait for the bus. They're walking. The man is on the, uh, the outside. The woman wearing this blue dress is on the inside, closer to the wall. You hear the, just the scooter getting knocked over. And this is Ryan Carson engaging him verbally. This crazy guy comes up. He's screaming at him. I'm going to kill you. Uh, he closes the gap. He's right in his face. Ryan's pushing him. It's punched in the face. He's pushing him very weakly. And the guy drew a knife and stabbed him in the chest a bunch of times, which we don't see. And now he's on the ground and he's bleeding. And the girlfriend is standing over. And she's, she's not paying attention to the man who's dying. And she's concerned about the, the homeless guy. Another girl on the street steps in. And she just realizes that her boyfriend was stabbed to death in front of her. All right. So the failures are significant here. Like, just imagine if you're this guy. Now, people have been arguing, oh, this is an argument for the Second Amendment. If he's had a gun, he would have been safer. I can tell you that that man right there, that young man at 32 years old who handles himself like a teenager uh, who's never been involved in violence has absolutely no idea what he's walking into. He's walking to a person that is apparently prepared to murder somebody over nothing, over a short disagreement and someone putting their hand out weakly and trying to stop him from getting at him. That should bother you dramatically. The gun is not the solution here. We talked about this on a Twitter space last night. Uh, I, I am a firm believer in your right to self-protection. And I am a firm believer that you should carry a gun if you know how to use it. But that man is not a candidate to carry a gun. You think that guy is capable of doing violence? You think he's capable of protecting himself or others? That he's willing to 
pull the trigger and that the first round that he's carrying in the handgun system, here's mine right here. Look, I keep this on the desk right next to me because I take it off when I'm doing the show. Do you think that his first round is already ready fired? No. No. You got to make intelligence decisions about can you avoid it, but you should not die because you make a bad situational decision and walk in where some crazy person is breaking private property. You shouldn't. And that is an absolute failure of the local system. And I don't know how bad it's got to get in New York City, but it, it was bad in the 70s and the 80s. My wife grew up in this stuff. We watched that video and she's like, no, 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 he should have been going away. It doesn't matter if that's the way you want to go. You don't go that route. Isn't it sad that you have to know that that is a denied area to you in the United States where we apparently have free motion and freedom of speech and freedom of assembly. You can't walk down a street at any hour of the, of the night because some crazy person may draw a kitchen knife and put it into your heart. And then the other sad thing is, is that we are raising an entire generation of men that are so weak and so incapable of defending against physical violence. Like he's dead, right? On the ground. What was to stop that guy from taking the girlfriend apart? Dismembering her right there in the street. There's nobody to watch it. Nobody cares. He laid on the, on the concrete and had his last breath. And she didn't even know that she was in danger from that guy. Other than she said, oh, watch him, watch him. They shouldn't have been in the same zip code. And so that's really sad to me. It's really sad that we're raising weak, frail, um, feminized men that have no ability to do the traditional thing that men know how to do. You know, he didn't even know how to throw hands. He didn't know how to throw a punch to save his own life. He basically just rolled over and was killed. And, and, and that's, that's honestly the saddest thing I can imagine. I keep saying this like in a silly way online, but I'm just like, my kids are going to be warlords in this pending apocalypse that we are dealing with. And, and whatever's coming for America in this feminized beta male driven, you know, just softness, my kids are going to be warlords because I, I push them around. I, I give them physical activity. We rough house because that's the way that you interact with kids to let them know that there is physical consequences in the world. We don't hurt them. I mean, I, my kids want to rough house more than anybody. They love it. That's their favorite thing. But this keyboard warrior work from a desk where you never stand up and see daylight. This poor guy with his mustache that, you know, he's not Doc Holliday. He's like, he looks like a goof. And he, he was faced with a life and death situation and didn't even know he was in a life and death situation. There's that, uh, that, that part of the, uh, the movie, the untouchables, the Elliot Ness, you know, sort of fantasy version. And Sean Connery is uh, is like a beat cop from New York and he's an Irishman. And he says, uh, which is funny because he's not Irish. Right. But, uh, he says, you never bring a knife to a gunfight. I mean, how about you don't bring hands to a knife fight? Knife fights are absolutely catastrophic. As a paramedic, I have treated knife wounds. They're ugly. They are the worst thing. Like I know most guys that have been stabbed would rather have been shot, if that tells you anything. Because it hurts, and it's, it's really, really threatening. Um, it's just the saddest thing to me to see this. This stuff going on on the streets in places. This is where my wife grew up. She grew up in that area. She grew up in Brooklyn. And... Have there always been bad parts of Brooklyn? Yeah. Should you be able to walk down the street in America and not get knifed in the heart? I think you should. I want to cover something else that's kind of crazy. This is uh, one of the reasons why I think uh, McCarthy sort of failed us. This is topic number four, Ryan, if you want to get that ready. Uh, our buddy Steve Baker has come on. This is a total you know, topic shift here. We're just going to go to something else. But our buddy Steve Baker, who's been on the show a couple of times and has talked to us about his uh, personal, independent, investigative journalism in the January 6th stuff, he... Uh, he brought this forward yesterday. This was a press relief coming from Blaze Media. I don't know if Blaze has signed him up or if, they, if they're if they just working in cooperation with him. He's going to be on Glenn Beck's show in uh, in about 40 minutes. So if you want to tune in for that, you're going to see some, some stories dropping, okay? 
And Steve Baker sent me an advanced copy of this. This is analysis that's being done on Blaze Media um, that was released today. The uh, the story that you're seeing up there, which is coming from his Twitter feed, was a, was an announcement made yesterday. He says he's got U.S. Capitol Police CCTV footage that shows the testimony given by Nancy Pelosi's chief security agent in the Oath Keepers trial could not have possibly happened. That it is 100% false. That it is perjury. And, uh, and here's the most, the most important parts. He says, as verified from the trial transcripts, this guy Lazarus, who's, uh, what's his full name? David Lazarus. He was a special agent for the U.S. Capitol Police. He gave testimony in the Oath Keeper trial uh, that his detailed testimony was fabricated to corroborate Capitol Police Officer Harry Dunn. Harry Dunn is this like six foot eight, like 300 pound black guy that that has gone out and been crying and been given, you know, hero awards by the by the Congress for working on his uh, his uh, Capitol Police story. He's had a book deal come out. He's got a social media presence that's pretty large and he's retired and sobbing. This enormous dude apparently claimed that a bunch of people were calling him the N word. But you know how that I know that didn't happen, that nobody called Harry Dunn the N word on uh, on January 6th is because I've never seen any footage of it. And this was one of the most photographed and videoed days in American history. And everything would have been about that from January 6th, 2021 till today. We would have never stopped hearing the end of this uh, this N-word video. Instead, he went out there and claimed some of this stuff. He obviously wrote a book about it. Uh, Lazarus claimed that he passed the encounter three or four times while rescuing 11 to 12 of Nancy Pelosi's staffers. Here's what's really interesting. Uh, this is this is from Steve Baker's little piece here. He said, more troublesome, especially for Lazarus, is that the version of the events given in sworn testimony is, according to CCTV footage acquired by The Blaze, neither him nor Harry Dunn's version of the consequential encounter ever happened. The things that they have said, both in the book and under sworn testimony, are false. And the reason why is because when that was supposed to have happened, it says video evidence additionally shows that Lazarus didn't even arrive at the location of Harry Dunn's interaction with those Oath Keepers until 2.56 p.m., well after Dunn had already been relieved by the other officers from that staircase and several minutes after the Oath Keepers had already departed from that location. So the guy, David Lathers, who claims that he has saw this thing, was never there and the footage confirms that he was never there. He fabricated it. We're going to hear much more about this. Uh, Steve Baker is expecting to have the FBI kick down the door of his house because of this kind of reporting. There's some analysis over at blazetheblaze.com, the column analysis today being released also under Steve Baker's byline. And you guys can check that out. It just says the same thing I said in the in the, um, in the in the Twitter update, but he's got some of the videos. He's got some of the posts up there. We're showing some of the, the um, what do you call it? The, the stills from that video. And he's gonna be releasing all that on Glenn Beck's show today. So I highly encourage you guys to check this out. I think slowly, very slowly, we're seeing the truth about January 6th. It's taken years to get out. And one of the reasons is because nine months ago, Kevin McCarthy promised all of us, the American people would have access to the January 6th tapes, these so-called 41,000 hours of surveillance tapes, and they've been hiding it. And that was a failure. And it was one of the reasons given and one of the reasons why Americans are so frustrated and why they back people like Matt Gates, even if a small number of the members of the Republican House back Matt Gates's play. I think at large, American citizens think that transparency and fundamental fairness are incredibly important. It's the things that we should be doing in this country because we actually believe, at least nominally, in a constitution, a rule of law, a, a democratic republic that is not a democracy and that this tyranny of the majority doesn't get to stand because 51% of people think we should hide it. I got a big problem with it. I think you all do too. I think we all know that this is coming. Um, as they pull this off, 
Let's keep an eye on Steve Baker. I've given him my uh, opportunity to come stay in my guest room if he wants. My wife will be surprised to hear that. But if he needs a place to hide out or sit down and we can well document whatever goes on, uh, we expect to see some backlash. And uh, and now all that'll do is confirm exactly what Steve is saying. They're going to come in. Um, the, the FBI has interviewed him. If you guys haven't heard our interviews with Steve, Steve Baker, check him out. Uh, we've done at least two. So go back and look. He's called The Pragmatic Constitutionalist. You can find him on Twitter at TPC. The Pragmatic Constitutionalist, TPC, the number four USA. And in the meantime, why don't you go ahead and tweet out that no one, the number four speaker, hashtag no one for speaker, because I think that's really important. Uh, that's going to be it for us today, folks. I think we've done as much damage as we can do in a single sitting. Uh, I hope you are not blackpilled, that you are not walking around and uh, in a sad stupor. Keep your eyes up. Keep your head on a swivel. These videos, this, this, these happenings, especially if you live in the, uh, the Northeast and the New England area, it's not good. And uh, if, even if you live in a city like I do, close to Austin, I live on the outskirts. If I walk around in Austin, man, my head is, my head is up. My eyes are scanning. <laughs> Somebody made fun of me on TimCast for that because I'm always scanning. You should always be scanning. You are responsible for you. The only person that can save you is you. Nobody's coming to save you. If you go out there with that attitude, you'll do much better off and uh, your local elections matter. All right. So this has been the Kyle Serafin Show. It is streamed live from Liberty Hill, Texas every weekday at 0930 Eastern Time. But who cares about Eastern Time? We care about 830 here in Texas America. Folks, we are cleared of the 725 five-star reviews on Apple. We're big thanks to you guys for filling them in. Here's another one. I've got I've got a dozen in the hopper to come up, but this one comes from Carrie Camarillo. It says, thank you, five stars. Really enjoyed listening to you. Very wise. So much great information. Don't puff my Evo. I can't handle that stuff. Uh, love all of these brave FBI whistleblowers. Yeah, we do. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you, Carrie, for your five-star review. You can leave your five-star review at the link at the bottom of our show notes. Go ahead and do that, and we will read them on the show. That's what we do. We're going to work through them. Even though we've got a bunch in front of us, yours can be the next, 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 next one that's coming up. Um, also, we are closing in on lifetime 1 million downloads. For those of you who know, we started this podcast basically in earnest in January of this year. So this is a 2023 phenomenon. And here we are in October about to break 1 million lifetime downloads. I have gone ahead and corrected and gotten rid of the garbage ads that were playing over. We're not going to be advertising for gain or tide without their, without them telling us, yeah, you can throw that back up on the screen, Ryan. That was awesome. Uh, folks, this is the chartable thing. I don't know what it means, but it's coming from Apple podcast. It says that we've ranked as high as number seven in the politics category for a tiny podcast that is launched that is supported just by you. It's like you guys are the ones driving this stuff. Uh, this is pretty awesome. They had us ranked at 114th in the country for American politics podcast. Pretty cool. Our five-star reviews are definitely driving some of this. Your listenership is driving it. So you can share it on social media. I'm going to start trying to push the, uh, the, the audio downloads. And once again, there's only the ad reads we do for the people that we've already signed up that we love and nobody else is getting that. So support our sponsors if you can. We, uh, you can support us by just sharing it just by sharing it. It's a big deal to us. And we really do appreciate all of that. All right. Follow my, my, uh, my producer, Ryan Matta. You can find him at Ryan Matta Media, M-A-T-T-A. We will see you again tomorrow. Don't forget to like this video as you are leaving. There was about a thousand of you watching it live and we do appreciate that as too. So thanks for all of you out there, the Sarah fans, the suspendables in the chat. We'll catch you again tomorrow. Have a great safe day and keep your eyes, keep your eyes scanning y'all. Keep them on the horizon. Thanks for listening to The Kyle Serafin Show, streamed live Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays on rumble.com slash kyleserafin. Follow Kyle on Twitter and True Social at Kyle Serafin.